Hello, and welcome to the Conversations with Data podcast, where we bring you the most interesting discussions around data journalism. I'm your host, Tara Kelly, and today we'll be speaking with investigative data journalist, Matthew Kaufman. Matthew leads a data reporting project for the Solutions Journalism Network, helping newsrooms pursue solutions reporting by identifying positive variants, outliers in data that might point to places or programs that are successfully responding to social problems. Before joining Solutions Journalism Network, he was a newspaper reporter for 32 years at the Hartford Current in Connecticut, the oldest newspaper in the country. Assigned to the paper's investigative desk, he worked on longer-term projects and specialized in computer-assisted reporting. In 2007, Matthew was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for Investigative Reporting for a series he co-authored on mentally ill troops sent to war. He talks to us about the power of combining data with solutions journalism to tell compelling stories that engage audiences. Let's take a listen to our conversation with Matthew Kaufman now. Uh, Matthew Kaufman, thank you so much for joining us today on Conversations with Data. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Now, tell us a bit about your career and how you eventually became an investigative and data journalist. Um, so, I, I literally going back to high school, I was always uh, kind of interested in journalism. I worked on the school paper. I'd uh, written some pieces that sort of got, uh, you know, praise from from teachers and fellow students. And uh, uh, I think that was enough of sort of an ego boost that it's like, hey, this is fun. Um, and then uh, beyond that, when I started thinking about what I, you know, kind of really wanted to do with my life. Um, I was always interested in in issues and ideas and policy. Um, I had thought about the law. I had thought about politics, and and in both of those, I sort of thought there too many times when you need to kind of sacrifice, uh, you know, your ideals um, and and sort of adopt positions you may not strongly agree with. Um, and I found journalism appealing in the sense that you could, you know, explore issues and uh, educate people um, about issues um, without sort of, uh, you know, at any time, I think having to sort of sacrifice uh, your own thoughts and, and beliefs. Um, I've always sort of had a, a strong uh, objective sense. I've, I've, you know, never wanted to be sort of an opinion writer um, and the like, but I just found journalism a kind of a, a fascinating field to learn about a lot of things and then share information about a lot of things. And then on the investigative side, um, it, uh, you know, spend time in journalism and lots of folks sort of aspire to being on the investigative desk and doing sort of bigger stories. I often thought of our desk more as sort of our projects desk than, than strictly investigative. So just sort of deeper dives um, into issues. Um, and, and certainly, you know, you can't view the world without recognizing there are issues that deserve a spotlight. There are, are inequities out there and, and having an opportunity to kind of bring those to light um, was valuable. It, it is meaningful. Again, I, I don't see myself as an advocate, um, but it felt meaningful when I wrote about stories uh, where there seemed to be problems going on and, and people took notice and, and, you know, change happened as a result of that. 
Um, so on the data side, uh, my grandfather was an engineer. My dad was a pioneer in computers and uh, my kids are both software engineers. It just sort of seems to run in the DNA. Um, I was always comfortable with numbers and math. A lot of journalists are, are not. Um, so it sort of became that issue of, you know, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. I, I could sort of deal with, uh, you know, an Excel spreadsheet and suddenly you're, you know, the data journalist um, on staff and, and have certainly come to realize the power of data uh, in journalism and in particular sort of providing, you know, hard evidence to go along with anecdotal information. And, and I think that makes for a really strong combination when you have the human element through anecdotes, um, but then sort of hard systemic evidence uh, provided through data. Absolutely. Now, you're now at Solutions Journalism Network, and I just wondered if you could sort of tell us about your current role and also maybe, for those who don't know, maybe define what that means, Solutions Journalism, and where it kind of came in the first place. The concept of Solutions Journalism uh, is this idea that, that journalists can and should apply the same kind of rigorous, clear-eyed examination of responses to problems um, as we do to the problems themselves. So it, it's, again, it's not sort of picking winners. It's not advocacy. But, you know, we're very good at, at digging into systems and seeing what's going on and certainly identifying problems. Um, and if you have, an, in particular, a case, you know, where an issue is well known in the community, you know, you've already done 10 stories on how terrible the uh, opiate crisis is sort of in your community. Um, yet another story about, you know, how awful things are. Um, it can be important to sort of keep it on the radar, but if everyone knows about it, certainly if it's well known, I think there's better value in sort of seeing, well, what have other communities done? Have there other other places that have kind of bent the curve on this? And if so, are there specific policies that they put in place to kind of move the needle? You know, have, have they found a successful response? So that's sort of the concept of solutions journalism. Uh, it's not a replacement uh, you know, for accountability journalism or reporting on problems, but I think a really strong uh, partner in it, going beyond simply reporting on the problems and giving readers and viewers and listeners um, some, you know, carefully vetted with the limitations and all uh, responses that seem to be working maybe in a different community that might re be replicable in your community. We call it hope with teeth, um, right? <laughs> that it, it provides a possible path forward. And readers and viewers want journalism that sort of goes beyond doom and gloom. And we're not saying, you know, turn a blind eye to that. Um, but, but you know, studies do show readers respond uh, to stories that provide a possible path forward. Right. And also with trust in journalism at the moment, it's just audiences around the world just are avoiding news sometimes because of all that negativity. This is like one way to get around that and bring people back and make them feel more engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a, a global issue of media trust and, and media literacy. Um, and we do see a, a valuable role in that of, of rebuilding um, some trust and, and seeing the media, um, again, for those who are inclined to see it as, oh, it's all bad news there. Um, honestly, I mean, investigative stories I did that uh, got people in trouble, put people in prison. I, honest, I don't look at those as bad news. Um, I think they're really important news. I think it's more important than, you know, a story about 
adorable puppies or something. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, our audience is sort of telling us they want more than just look how awful it is out there. Um, you know, are there responses there that seem to be working? And not not just experts talking across, you know, he said, she said, this is the way to go. Um, but our great ability to explore and examine and analyze and putting that same rigor into investigating responses, you know, as we do to the problem. So then my role on the data side, uh, data are a terrific partner with solutions reporting. Um, when uh, the impact of a response can be measured and certainly measured, you know, with numbers, um, data are a terrific path to that. So, you know, it's not enough for a town official to say, oh, yeah, we've got a, a terrific response on COVID or homelessness or uh, the achievement gap in schools or something like that. If you can say, all right, well, so here's the response that you put in place. What difference has it made? And if you have something, you know, I'm going to use an example of, of hospitals in California that put policies in place to try to improve uh uh, maternal health during pregnancy, essentially avoiding mortality, um, and put special policies in place specifically to address postpartum bleeding. And you can see, so, okay, good idea, sounds like it will work, but do we have evidence that it works? And the data provide that evidence that while mortality was going up in most of the country, at the point at which these provisions went in place in hospitals in California, Maternal mortality, uh, you know, the the curve was bent. You can see in the data, suddenly the line stops going up and starts going down. There are always issues with sort of causation and correlation. You know, just because something happens after something else doesn't mean the first thing caused it. But that seemed pretty solid evidence that the changes that were made uh, led to this better outcome. Um, and changes that could be made at hospitals in any state. So data become a, a really strong partner um, in providing the evidence that's such an important part of solutions journalism. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of it. Right. Um, and I'm wondering, do you think that solutions journalism is something almost anyone in the newsroom could be doing? Or is it is it kind of reserved now for more seasoned journalists? No, I think one of the nice things about it um, is that there isn't a steep learning curve. Uh, there isn't, oh, you need to, uh, you know, take a class in, in XYZ. It's, it's just having um, a mentality about how you approach stories. And if you approach stories saying, um, you know, if, if certainly if you write about social problems, if that's sort of part of your beat, and almost any beat is going to include those issues. If you just take as sort of part of your approach to journalism, I want to fully understand this issue, who it's affecting, how bad it is, what caused it, and then say, all right, that that sort of takes you to the past up to the present. Where, how did we get here and where are we? And it's just adding that additional part. Well, where could we go from here? And are there other places, you know, 
problems are, are rarely isolated to, you know, one single institution, one single school, one single town, one single country. If you sort of expand your horizons beyond how did we get here and where we are and think about are there places that have found a path forward and, and not, not stopping at the present and giving your readers some information about a possible path in the future, um, that's all it takes. It just takes a mindset to be thinking about are there places that are appear to be doing it better. Um, even on the data side, um, this is not, you know, I'm I'm a data guy, I guess, but I'm not a programmer. I'm not an app developer. Um, and most of the, you know, when I help newsrooms uh, around the country and around the world with, with solutions, journalism, and data, it's the real very basics of Excel or Google Sheets or another spreadsheet program. It's sorting, it's filtering, it's doing some downloading. Um, even on the data side, it's not, you know, if you were to pursue the data element of solutions journalism. Um, we're not talking about, oh, no, no, that's not for me. You know, you need to be an expert in that. Really, any journalist at any news outlet of any size anywhere uh, can adopt and pursue solutions journalism. Now, I'm curious, when you're starting out with it, maybe it can feel a bit overwhelming because you kind of have to develop a mindset for this. So, what are some of the stumbling blocks people encounter when they're new to this kind of mindset and thinking? Yeah, I think probably the biggest uh, is stumbling block or, or sort of hesitancy um, is this concern about, gee, this sounds a little like advocacy to me. Um, the, the first I ever heard of solutions journalism, I happened to be at a, a conference in Boston, Massachusetts, and there was a panel I sat in on, and there was someone from the Solutions Journalism Network on it talking about this. And, and uh, I went after afterward, um, and I said, this sounds really intriguing, but how is this not advocacy? And, and so I think a lot of people need to get comfortable with that first step. And, and the point is, it's not about here's the right way. It's not about picking winners. It, it's just, look, there are other places that have you know approached the same problems that I'm writing about. Um, so here's what they did, and then you know getting your investigative cap on, as all journalists have, and really digging in. Did it make a difference? Can you tie what they did to this better response? And then the key thing in making sure and being comfortable that this isn't public relations, it's not advocacy, um, is limitations. Reporting the limitations is a, a critical, essential part of solutions reporting. It's not a solutions journalism story if you don't explore what the limitations of a response are. Hey, this worked in this community, but it's also really, really expensive. Or it worked in this community, but this community has great public transportation and that was essential to the response and that it won't work in a community that doesn't have that. Or it works for this demographic, but they really haven't solved the problem you know, for this demographic. So that's sort of Stumbling block, um, you know, uh, number one. Um, beyond that, I think it really is just choosing the mindset and saying, yes, I'm, I'm going to remind myself when I write about this, think about, uh, is there someplace doing it better? I'm writing about, uh, you know, companies in a particular industry and who are the worst polluters um, or what hospitals, you know, have the, the most adverse uh, events, something like that. If, and all 
important, good, strong accountability journalism. It's just sort of reminding yourself, hey, when I look at the really sort of bad actors, you know, and say uh, hospital safety, um, what could I learn from the better actors? You know, what are the places that don't have these sort of problems? And are they lucky? Do they simply serve a different clientele that that makes it easier to avoid these issues, or did they have specific policies in place uh, that that you know I can investigate um, and tell my readers and viewers and listeners about? And think about what uh, you know how that elevates your story. So it's as simple as having a mindset to produce better journalism, and that that should be pretty easy to do. Right. And I know Solutions Journalism Network has an excellent database of some pieces that are showcasing the best of that. Can you talk us through one or two that you think are, are really, you know, excellent pieces? Um, so we have, uh, we're coming up on 11,000 stories um, in the story tracker. And, and I, I can say that I'm an aficionado on those. We have an entire team that sort of vets those stories when they come in to see, do they sort of meet, you know, the requirements um, of solutions journalism. So um, you know, there are a couple that I sort of have a recollection of reading and, and sort of doing some investigating for my preparations. Um, one was uh, a story out of San Francisco um, that has a terrific homelessness problem. And again, something very well known in the community. Um, and rather than sort of yet another story on here's how terrible things are, um, they looked around the country and found that Seattle, Washington state uh, had about the same homelessness problem that San Francisco did 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, San Francisco and Seattle looked fairly similar. Um, and over the 20 years, things got worse in San Francisco and things got a lot better in Seattle. Um, and so San Francisco sent a reporter, or maybe multiple reporters, up to Seattle to investigate what exactly did they do? And, and did those responses um, appear to you know, bend the curve on the homelessness problem? Um, and then reported back to the readers, you know, here's what we can learn uh, from San Francisco. Um, similar story done uh, kind of the, the opposite way, starting in the state of Washington, uh, an education reporter there um, looked across to Massachusetts and found that state of Washington, state of Massachusetts, fairly similar demographically, you know, reasonable apples to apples comparison, um, but that sort of educational attainment seemed to be much greater in Massachusetts than in Washington. Um, and so she sort of approached this story with this great question, what are they doing that we aren't? Meaning what is Massachusetts doing that we aren't? And investigated that, you know, so started with some data showing schools in Massachusetts seem to be doing a better job overall than schools in, in Washington state um, and investigated and found specific things that Massachusetts had done over the last couple of decades to sort of protect uh, instructional time, you know, and, and uh, emphasis on, on early learning and specific policies put in place that appeared to have an impact, you know, to, to lead to better outcomes and, and all policies, you know, that the state of Washington could put in place um, as well. 
Uh, but that story tracker, um, it is a terrific resource if you're curious about solutions reporting. Um, that's a great place to look. It's it's sortable in in different ways by uh, by geography, by you know type of story. Um, it's searchable by keywords. Um, a, a great resource. Um, and we have a learning lab also at uh, solutionsjournalism.org um, with great training resources, webinars that you can take um, if you want to learn more about it. And, and we're a very collegial, open group. I can make my email available to anyone you know is interested on the data side. Um, and we exist to help journalists. So, you know, no one should be shy about reaching out if this sounds interesting or they're working on a story that they use some uh, advice or guidance on. And I'm curious, like when you are approaching, say you're a data journalist, and you want to sort of develop this solutions oriented mindset to your reporting. Do you, do you start with a research question? Do you already have an idea in place? Like what is the kind of process you find when you're working on a story like this? It's the way I kind of approach all of my stories, data or, you know, or not. Um, I think curiosity is, you know, the greatest trait for a journalist to have and, the, and that, you know, good things will always follow if you sort of start your thinking with, you know, I wonder what would happen if I looked into blank or I wonder why this is the way it is. Um, so it, it's it's fine to sort of start, you know, with a true hypothesis that you want to test. Um, one of the great things I think about data and, and particularly about data and solutions journalism um, is what you can find in a sort of completely blind dive into data. Um, there, there's uh, um, an example I'm actually uh, doing a, a webinar um, with a reporter in Alabama in a couple of weeks. Um, and she's an education writer and was interested in the achievement gap uh, between black students and white students that sort of is persistent all across the country and certainly in her state of Alabama. Um, and just wondered, are there places that in the last five, six years have narrowed that gap? Um, and uh, if so, is there anything in particular that they did? So had no idea if the data would help answer that question or help point to, uh, you know, a, a possible place to investigate, but just grab some data on the achievement gap for multiple years and did some, you know, simple data analysis in, in Excel or Google Sheets um, and ended up with a great tip to a story. You know, so it, it's just starting with that. Here's a data set. There might be, in the vernacular, winners and losers in here. Let me do some simple analysis. The simple sometimes is just sorting, high to low, you know. Um, and in that case, she found a county um, that really seemed to, across the board, narrow the achievement gap. In some cases, cutting it in half in, in you know, just a matter of years. Um, that's not the story. Like with all data journalism, the data are not the story. You know, they're sort of... In this case, a tip to a story, a lead to a place to investigate. Um, and with that, she got in touch with folks uh, at that, that particular county school district and learned that, in fact, yeah, this was on their radar, that they put specific policies in place uh, to try to reduce the achievement gap. And, and those changes that they put in place seem to be working, again, replicable sort of anywhere. So data, great resource if you have a hypothesis and a great resource even if you don't. One of the things that, I don't know, when, when people are studying data journalism, they say, make sure you interview the data. I'm curious from a solutions-oriented perspective, how do you sanity check 
that you're going off and not necessarily, I don't want to say the right direction, but you're not completely missing something. And what are some of the things to be aware of? Yes, interviewing your data is, is absolutely critical. Um, the first step is to think about what what are the questions that I have that I think these data can answer. And 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 if you're looking for sort of a positive response, if you're looking for a sort of quote unquote success, really asking so what what does success mean? in this case. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, well, w- whatever place has sort of the highest number, you know, because again, that, there are all sorts of reasons one community or one school or one hospital or one institution uh, might, you know, have a higher performance metric than another. So, so maybe it's, am I looking at improvement over time? Uh, is my measure of success equity across different groups. So first really interviewing yourself to ask what what am I looking for? What to me would be evidence of a successful response? Um, And then with the data, um, again, being aware, can I trust the data? You know, where, where did these data come from? Do they seem to be reliable? If I'm comparing multiple places, which again is often the way to, you know, get a lead to a place that seems to be doing better. Um, am I sure that these data are comparable, that that they were, you know, captured in a, in a similar way? Um, and then when you do the data analysis, um, again, you know, look for, there's a certain smell test that, that you do, that, that it's like, so so this this went up 17,000%. That doesn't sound right. You know, did I did I do the math wrong? Um, or is it, oh, you know, a lot of places uh, they're they're missing data, you know, for certain years. So so I, I can't work with this. You know, the first thing is is I guess even before you analyze the data, doing that interview and saying, does it appear the data are clean? You know, uh, do some filter on some columns. And if a column is supposed to have uh, you know, a percentage number and it's got a zip code instead, you know, or a postal code, um, there's something wrong with your data and it may have some cleaning uh, to be done there. So so all of the, the you know, caveats that we have in all data journalism certainly apply um, to solutions journalism. And in some ways, it's maybe a little bit easier or, or sort of less hazardous with solutions reporting because we're not talking about here's the top 10 list. You know, these are, here are the the best, uh, you know, uh, hospitals in Australia, you know, something like that, where it's going to be really embarrassing if uh, number three, yeah, their their data is completely wrong, or you know, the the size was way too small. Look, look, two years ago, and they're one of the worst. We're really using data in solutions journalism as a tip, as a lead to a place. It's like, hey, uh, this to use hospitals. You know, this hospital in Australia it seems like it's done really well on this metric. That's just the start of your reporting. That's just a, a tip. Let me talk to some folks at that hospital and and hit them with you know hard questions. We're not taking anyone's word for it. You know, show me that you put this policy in place, that it really was put in place, put in place broadly, um, and have you measured you know the real impact of that sort of specific uh, policy. If it turns out, oh, no, 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 this is not a hospital that I want to use, uh, you know, as an example, they, they, you know, let me try another one. So again, it's not, it's not about a top 10 list where you're going to look foolish if you've included someone that doesn't belong. It's simply about getting a lead to a place to investigate further and see if they belong in your story. Brilliant. 
Um, and give me some background about Solutions Journalism Network. Like how long have you guys been running and like what kind of training is out there that you're providing, um, especially online? Because a lot of the people who are listening are kind of overseas. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, we have training in, I think, something like 17 different languages. Um, and we have uh, journalists and, and regional managers. Um, we've actually just hired a regional manager in Africa. We have a regional manager for Europe and, and they have regional managers around um, the United States. So we have uh, a ton of, of webinars and training um, on our site, solutionjournalism.org. And if, uh, again, Learning Lab or The Hub are the places to check out there. Um, so, yeah, so we do have some asynchronous uh, trainings. We, we do live web-based trainings. There's sort of something called Solution Journalism 101. If you're new to the concept, I mean, you can take those. And I think those are something like once a month, those are done live. Um, if you don't want to do a live webinar, you're in a part of the country that to do it, it'd be four o'clock in the morning, you know, and you don't want to do that. Um, you can find uh, asynchronous, you know, uh, just click and watch trainings there. So there's sort of that basic training. There's a, a I can't remember if it's 201 or 102, but there's sort of a more advanced training that gets into uh, some more details about solutions journalism um, and, and you know, different ways to frame a story, um, looking at different slices uh, of a story that, that lend itself to a solutions um, resource. Um, I'm developing, I'm, I'm fairly new to the network. We're, and to answer your earlier question, we're about eight years old. Um, a couple of, of reporters uh, that are involved in um, a column in the New York Times called The Fix uh, got this idea of, you know, spreading the idea of solutions journalism more broadly. Um, so started it, I think, seven or eight years ago. It has grown very substantially. Um, it, it is something, uh, again, readers uh, respond to. Um, and as part of that, we want to uh, reach out to folks literally around the world. So on the website, um, there are resources, again, the Learning Lab and the Hub. Um, but beyond that, again, we have regional managers, uh, in the States and, and in Africa and in Europe. So if there are journalists there, um, there are people we have on staff whose job it is to help them. Um, and certainly would be you know, more than happy to have folks reach out to them. Marvelous. Well, thank you so much, um, Matthew Kaufman, for joining us today on Conversations with Data. Yeah, I'm so glad uh, that you asked me to be on. This, this was a real treat for me. A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Want to hear more interesting discussions on data journalism? You can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. I've been your host, Tara Kelly, and that's all for now. See you next time.